You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and I want to say thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us and maybe learn a little bit from... uh, from a guest that I'm having on today. And my guest today is Chris Eklund. He is one of our master instructors at the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And he is a performance coach and he's uh, he's got a facility out in uh, Southern California, I believe. And I'm going to let Chris introduce himself. And today, just to give you a heads up on what we're going to be talking about, is we're gearing our conversation towards coaching and towards business and maybe even talk about the business of coaching. So let's get into it a little bit and welcome Chris. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, thanks for having me. Excellent, it's good to have you on. Um, Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got involved with NASM and then we're gonna jump into our topics. Yeah, happy to. I've been in the, the industry for about 25 years, so I've kind of done stuff all over the place from personal trainer in a big box club, uh, to teaching high school, coaching, sports, um, doing some strength and conditioning at community college. And then uh, down here, and that was primarily up in the Bay Area of uh, California. And then after coming down to Santa Barbara, California, have been in a, um, sorry, have been primarily running uh, my own business here for a little over 10 years. I have a business partner here, but we've got a, um, a performance center uh, where we do fitness and, and post rehab and um, physical therapy, things of that nature, nutrition as well. Uh, and then have been teaching a little bit at the university part time uh, for about the same amount of time. And NASM, how that happened. Uh, I think I was first exposed to the NASM curriculum back in, I think it was 97 uh, okay. when I first took uh, the, the CPT course. And then had always kind of kept my eyes on the organization as I really, I really seemed to uh, resound with what they were about, how they, they viewed wellness, fitness, performance. It, it just always made sense to me. And then once uh, I was in Santa Barbara and had uh, the facility, I think it was, gosh, it was probably around 13, 2013, 14, that we wanted to start doing workshops at our facility and be a part of the you know, the education process for, or for trainers and people in Southern Cal. And that was really the first ask that I had into NASM as to how the education process worked at, at NASM and who taught and um, what that looked like. Cause it was something that I was interested in, in doing in, in some way, shape or form at some point in my career. And, and it just so happened that at that time they were looking for some performance coaches to uh, jump into the performance enhancement area of the, uh, the teaching team. And so I said, Hey, I, <laughs> I'd like to throw my name in the hat. And, uh, and thankfully uh, they pulled me in. Man, that's awesome. Um, are you, are you still at uh, doing any university stuff and which university were yeah. you working with? Yeah. So I, when I initially moved down to Santa Barbara, I was just doing some adjunct part-time stuff with um, the University of California, Santa Barbara. I never really did any, uh, what I would call more of the academic classes, really just more activities for them, just some fun stuff. Um, 
And then more of the academic stuff I've done at Westmont College here in Santa Barbara, which is a private small school um, in Montecito. So I've been teaching there doing kind of some, some general ed health stuff uh, and um, activities classes and then theory, strength and conditioning in the kinesis department since 2007, 2008, something like that. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, if you're already teaching at a, at a university level, it probably wasn't too big of a deal for NASM to go, well, you're interested in us. Maybe we're a little interested in you. So uh, I know that you've contributed to kind of the, the help and the build out and the expansion of the performance enhancement specialist uh, information, the, that particular product that we have, which I think is a great product. And, uh, and I do know that it will be going through some of the modifications soon that the CES has been through and that the new CPT-7 has gone through. So I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to, to seeing what the magic of that PES is going to look like uh, yeah. In the course of the next, I, I mean, I don't know, an, a year or, or, or so, whenever that's going to kind of be coming back out. Um, mm -hmm. Are you doing any work with them on the PES at all uh, as a subject matter expert? Just bits and pieces thus far. Uh, certainly, I've I've said to, you know, the, the powers that be, those that are kind of heading the show there, that I'm happy to help in, in any way I can and offer what I can. Um, but thus far, it's been, I think, more of just some some beginnings and some background um, as to looking at what you mentioned, like, where is it going to go? What are we going to do? Uh, and so offering things like different different programming ideas and, and, and potentially some more performance, uh, I, I guess I'd say bents or um, um, specific programming sorts of things that we might layer in. Uh, that's I think primarily where my conversation has been with the team as they begin the process and are looking towards what that sucker is going to look like, as well as uh, I've had a couple conversations just regarding, hey, what should we do with it? What are we really right. trying to, to do? Who, who are we trying to develop the product for uh, and looking at what different layers or, or what aspects they add into it? So more of just that, more of the background conversation um, in, in my personal opinions on what potentially we could do with it. But yes, I'm excited for it as well. And, and I'm very hopeful that that, that build out will be a, a good, solid, significant uh, jump in the, um, the, the, uh, the certification. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I know. I, I mean, I don't know where they are along in the process. So I still think it's relatively early and they haven't started putting it quite together yet, but mm -hmm it'll be coming, it'll be coming around the mountain whenever that is, but it's going to be eventual. And what I'm excited about is the design aspect of it because how these other ones have been implemented from the nutrition course and mm -hmm. the corrective exercise course and the new CPT, to, to, they, they're mind blowing. I get messages from people all the time mm. and I didn't have anything to do with it, but I get messages from people all the time. Like what the new courses at NASM are so good. So I'm looking forward to, yeah. to whenever that's going to be for the performance enhancement to, to look like that. So here's what I want to talk about. And I've got a question yeah. for you. Sure. And today we're going to talk about coaching and we're going to talk about business and the business of coaching, but we're talking to trainers so my question to you, and I don't know if you've ever explored this, but yeah. is there a difference between training and coaching? And if there is, what's that difference? Is there a difference between training and coaching? 
Yeah. Yeah. I guess my first response to that would be yes. Uh, certainly it would depend on how you define those things. Um, I suppose from a certain perspective, my own, my own selfish bent on, on the, the topics, I would like to say that, that coaching and training should be synonymous at this point um, in, in the industry. I don't necessarily think that they are. Um, so I guess I would say at this point, they are different things. Training, maybe just specifically um, speaking toward the, the, the actual practice of working with a, a client toward the ends of fitness or performance or post rehab, maybe that the actual practice of the sets and the reps and the engaging in the session of uh, help trying to, to help people achieve some physical uh, outcomes. Whereas I suppose in my mind, the topic of coaching really would be a little bit uh, more of a broad, maybe an umbrella um, term referring to a lot of the other things that, that happen potentially outside of the sets and the reps and, and the actual training session uh, that would deal with multiple areas of life, um, you know, potentially, you know, mindfulness, potentially nutrition, uh, potentially um, hurdles, roadblocks, stress, potentially recovery, um, a number of those different areas that obviously would then um, be incorporated into what their physical outcomes would be and, and how well they would be able to achieve those. But, but yeah, that term to me, I suppose those terms would, would be different currently though i think hopefully they're they're beginning to become more synonymous in our industry yeah i i like what you've put out there so far and i and i just threw that on you if i were to shoot from the hip when it comes to this i would it would be really similar so training is the doing of things in my estimation and coaching i think about this like a like a circus trainer and maybe they're they're trying to get a, a, a big cat to jump through a, a giant hoop that's on fire, right? And so training would be take the fire off, jump through the hoop, practice jumping through the hoop, jump from a different angle, all the doing. Coaching would be like, hey, listen, all right, fire's going to be next. So you're going to have to keep your head down, right? So you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna talk them through maybe the skill acquisition mm -hmm. of what that means so the coaching in the process doesn't mean that trainers don't give coaching but sure. but a trainer is the one that pushes those repetitions in, in my estimation and a coach also doesn't mean that a coach doesn't push repetitions um but it's it's about how we go about doing it that yeah. develops a skill set so uh, I'd, I'd probably put that out there mm. and i'd also say in many instances those two words are really synonymous and 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 i think it's fair to say that there's not much of a difference but it's also yeah. fair to say if we're looking at semantics if you break it down right. then i like the way you broke it down um i also said the words uh, i said a phrase shooting from the hip which made me think of the podcast that you did with mm. uh the master instructor roundtable and you guys were doing some stuff on the hips and i listened to to that with you and marty miller wendy bats and mr andy hanley and yes. those were fantastic i really enjoyed those episodes yeah yeah those those were fun uh have an opportunity to chat with those guys is always fun and to to hear what those guys say in uh the heat of the moment is always yeah um, enjoyable uh for me <laughs> to, to listen to as an observer uh, as they're very, very sharp and very witty, 
which I would not consider myself uh, to be uh, a part of. But it was a it was a blast to be with them and to to share some thoughts and certainly to share some of our own opinions about what what good movement and not great movement things are out there right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were those were really good, and 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 you were you were just as stellar and entertaining as everybody. I was pleased. Don't, certain. don't count I'm yourself certain. out. Uh, let's talk about business, man. Um, yeah. So regarding business, and let's just do a lot of back and forth with this, right? Because sure. when we look at at business, you have a you have your own facility, right. but before then, you had a coaching business. Uh, a training business. And there are a lot of people out there. I don't want anybody out there, trainers to discount working for anybody, right? Yeah. So working at any of these large gyms that that hire people. Uh, and I also don't want you to discount being a business owner of your own training business, of your mm -hmm. own coaching business. So let's get into it a little bit and let's talk shop yeah. with business. And um, some of which kind of an evolution of your your business and and maybe starting early and then what are some takeaways that trainers can get because really we're looking for inspiration right i want these trainers to be inspired mm -hmm. about coaching but about the business of coaching and and looking yeah. at uh, what's next for them yeah so so starting with my kind of my early uh, career stuff and that developed into business? Yeah, like what are okay. the business steps? I mean, I wanna know, and, and, and I think that people wanna know where their story can fit in with yours, right? Sure. So, um, you know, we worked at a big, a big gym, right. but then you did something that yeah. led to opening and, or starting your own business. Yeah. And I just, I want those seeds to be planted in people so they can go, I bet I could do that. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know if that's going to be exactly my story, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so, yeah, I, I started in a, in, a, in a pretty big box gym. Um, actually, I, I should back up to the beginning here uh, to share my full business story. My very first experience in training was in um, Nevada in a, in a small privately owned gym. Uh, and I was hired on as an independent contractor uh, pretty much straight out of, out of college which, you know, looking back on it, it's it pretty scary and probably not a very smart move of mine because I had no idea what an independent contractor was versus an employee, right? Mm -hmm. 22 year old getting into the industry. And um, I ended up being at this particular health club for eight months. Long story short, I fell flat on my face. I couldn't make it. Oh. Uh, I couldn't get, I couldn't get clients. Uh, I couldn't figure out how to get clients. I didn't know how to do that well. And, you know, to be quite frank, once I got the clients, I didn't know what the heck to do with them. And this was coming out of college. You know, at that time, this was 96 with a degree in kinesiology. And at the time I had um, taken the test to become uh, a certified personal trainer through ACE. So, you know, not not saying anything about, you know, really the university or the, or the certification. Um, I just didn't have experience. I and. Right. And neither of those at the time afforded me with really any of the practical experience. I had never done an internship. Um, so a lot of that stuff really was, was on me. And so I was clueless. I uh, had no business background, you know, shocker. What I think a lot of uh, people coming out with, uh, you know, kines degrees or, or PE related degrees or, or even personal training certifications um, uh, experience, not having any of that. So no business really didn't know what the heck I was doing. Didn't know how to get clients Didn't know what to do with them when I did. So 
as an independent contractor, fell on my face, moved uh, back to California, Bay Area, and got it. Um, uh, became an employee at a club, got a job at a club where I knew I could get mentored. I, I knew that I needed that. I needed people to tell me, like, how do you do this? What's a good system? I need something to follow and to learn from some people that know what in the world they're doing. And, um, uh, and, and, and then even just to learn how to kind of do the business thing, because I don't know how to ask for a sale. I, I don't want to. I'm very uncomfortable in that environment. Right. There's a lot of people that feel that way. Like they don't want to bring up money to clients or potential clients. That's a really scary sticking point for a lot of potential trainers out there. Absolutely. Very uncomfortable. Um, not things that we're, we're taught how to do and do well. Uh, if you're coming from the academic world, or even if you get a certification, you're just not necessarily taught those things. So, yeah. so kind of jumping forward a little bit, that was the, the ugly start. Worked in a health club for three, four years, got a little bit more of that experience, uh, stepped out of doing that full-time for a while, went back and, and taught, um, got my teaching credential, taught high school, did strength and conditioning, then more on the side, um, jumped forward a few years when I moved down to Santa Barbara. I, I started again as an independent contractor at this point with a little bit more experience yeah. um, as to what in the world I was doing. And then after doing that for three years in Santa Barbara, part of the, the goal was to figure out um, who's doing what here, where can I plug in, where will I fit? And unfortunately at that time, what I felt was that there wasn't really a performance or fitness um, place, business, what have you in Santa Barbara that I felt I would be a good fit in. It just, there was nothing mm. that felt quite right. So the really a big part of the starting my own business was just uh, by default, I don't feel like I had anywhere to go, anywhere I could call home. So I think I've got to start my own thing. So here we go. Uh, not knowing a lot, uh, but just kind of jumped in and went for it. Uh, what was that process like? Because I'm, I'm sure, I, I mean, I don't know, but it probably cost money, right? So did you, <laughs> did you, did you save up a nest egg? Did you right. get investors? Did you borrow money? Like, how did that work out for you that you were able to put those pieces together? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like you're so uncomfortable. You're like, oh, that's a tough a one. Lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of painful memories here. That's why I said, I don't know if I'm going to be real inspiring to people. I suppose. In certain ways, there's some some fun parts of my story, but you know there were there were some some fortunate blessings that had happened along the way. Um, uh, in so in 2006, when I moved down to Santa Barbara from the Bay Area, uh, I had purchased a, a home with some friends. Thankfully, we had been able to sell it before the market tanked at, mm -hmm. at that time, and we were able to get some investment out of it which I lived off a bit as I kind of started things down in Santa Barbara and tried to figure out what in the world I was you know, doing with my life at 32, 33 years old again. And um, when, and so again, fast forward to um, after I had realized there wasn't really a good place for me to plug in, I, uh, I, I called up um, a then client of mine who had become a good friend who was uh, an entrepreneur in Santa Barbara that I really respected, um, a great person, um, uh, an, a person of integrity who, who, who I thought did business well, yeah. very different business, but just business well. So I, I sat down with him and I said, Hey man, I need to talk to you. I, I've been, I've been feeling like 
I should start a business. Um, but it's, you know, at that point in time is 2009, the economy is still tanking. And yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I feel like this is a stupid idea, but I don't know what else to do. <laughs> you almost talked uh, yourself out of it. Yeah. I was trying to, I literally was yeah. trying to, I feel like this is a bad idea. What do you think? And he says, Oh my gosh, this is such a relief. We're having this conversation. I thought you were going to fire me as a client. And I'm sure you've oh. had this conversation. <laughs> I, I thought we were having the breakup conversation here as a class. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, and he says, this is amazing. I was just talking with, with my good buddy who was also a client of, of mine at the time and, and last night. And we were talking about how it would be possible to get you to start your own business. And I oh. thought, Oh dear God. Here we go. You know, like uh, now I'm now I'm now it's real. In, yeah. right? now, now he's the guy that I respect is telling me I got to do this thing. So <clears throat> so at that point, then it was, you know, kind of full steam ahead, um, had some great people in my corner. And, um, and and to answer, you know, your specific questions, I know we'll, we'll get into some others. The encouragement from from this guy at the time, Pete uh, is his name, was use your own money, whatever you can do to to use your own money to start this thing. Don't get investors that you'll be beholden to. Um, build it slow, build it from small, grow it up, and um, and don't make it about you. You know, brilliant, brilliant wow. advice um, at the time. So don't put your name on the business. Don't make it the Chris Eklund Training Center. Make it something else so that when you um, step back, when you do less training, when you move into more of, a, of maybe a leadership or ownership um, role or, or when you sell it, any of those situations, if your name is on that business, business dies because you're gone or you, you become more invisible. So don't make it about you and, um, you know, do it with your own money as much as you possibly can. So with the money that I had remaining from the sale of, of our house, uh, that's what I invested into the business. And then you know, grinded like a son of a gun for a long time, making very, very little money. How we made it, I don't know. I I, I know that feeling yeah. very well. All too well. How <laughs> many times have you slept at your facility? Oh my gosh. Thankfully, <laughs> I never did. I, I oh, mean, lucky you. Dude, I, I considered it many times. And a matter of fact, I had friends in Santa Barbara who I had done some business with it that had their own business and they did that. They they slept in their therapy room or they slept yeah. in and I thought, you know, I'm like, if I had to do that, I would have lost my mind. I could not have pulled that off. Um, so I I did not do that. I fought it hard, but oh, you did. For you. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. Man. I mean, I had, I had some treatment tables and yeah. had a nice little table warmer there. And the problem was when I first opened, I was there. Um, I, we opened at six and we closed at nine and I couldn't afford any employees. So I was yeah. there from six to nine, Monday yeah. through Friday. And yeah. then I closed early on Saturday. So it was and and open later. So it was like, nine to one or eight to yeah. one on Saturday. Yeah. And then we closed on Sunday. But the only reason we're closed on Sunday is so I could see my family, you know, wife and I had two kids at yeah. the time. Um, so that wasn't that like, I just needed some time to see them. And I tell people all the time, like if I had to do that all over again, I would not do it. 
I, just, I mean, I, I would know better and I'd have some systems in place that would protect me from that kind of overwork. Right. Um, but I had some really close people in my life that became close because of the situation that yeah. would watch the gym at night because they were going to be training there and they just kind of watch it and then they would close up behind me. So Jordan Tisdale in particular, shout out to. Um, but that stuff was really important to me. And that's a lifelong friendship because it substantially changed my life. So yeah, I I spent nights there because if it took me 30 minutes to get home, right? 30 minutes to get back in the morning, that's another hour. So that's, that's 6am. I'm getting up at five, leaving, uh, you know, 530. If I squeak in the door at six, which you don't want to do if you have six o'clock clients. So yeah, man, I, I, I slept. I slept there probably a couple times uh, a week, a couple nights a week, actually. Um, but let's get back to you. And I want to let everybody know who we're talking to. So this is Chris Eklund. And he is the, the owner of Prevail Conditioning out in Santa Barbara, California. And he's also an NASM master instructor. So he teaches these workshops, same, same as I do, like doing uh, working with content and teaching information. And it seems like that was kind of your first kind of partnership with NASM when you were inquiring about teaching for them is because you had space and you wanted some workshops. Like how can I get NASM to come in the space? And so for us that own facilities, it's always nice because then you can drive trainers to your facility. If you're ever looking for like, I need to get some good folks in and you've got people that are new maybe, but also people that are going for recertification and they do the workshop and you know that they're coming back and getting continuing education and you get a real good idea of the types of people that are there and gives you the opportunity to say, hey, this if you're interested, this might be something for you. So we are talking about coaching and we're talking about business and we're getting into the the weeds I know with a little bit of it, but the purpose of this and what I want you to get out of it as a personal trainer and a, and a coach as you're listening to this, um, you know, Chris's story, my story uh, is that it's really scary and it's really hard and it's a lot of work. And it took a long time, at least for me, Chris, took a long time for it to be even worth it. Yeah. So it, it was a building process. And and I'm going to tell you this, Chris, and I, I just want to know your thoughts on it as we talk about business is that early on, when people are like, hey, I want to open my own business. I want to open my own gym. And I used to be like, oh, you should do it. <laughs> yes, I think you should. That'd be great. You would be great at owning a business. Now, I don't know. I just think they're a good trainer. So for some reason, I think they'd be a great business owner, which you and I know yeah. not the case. And if you have uh, if you think that's the case, then I encourage you to read the book called The E-Myth Mastery mm-hmm. or The E-Myth Revisited, and it will change your life uh, when it comes to thinking, because you're a good technician, you'll be a good business owner. So, um, so now when people tell me they want to own a gym, I, I usually discourage them quite a bit, actually. And, uh, and, and then if you are the tenacious dog with a bone that won't leave it alone, then you might be the person that should open a gym. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh read I think we read E-Myth Revisited. I haven't read the other. Um and that that very much uh, resounded with me as well. But I I think my encouragements are the same. I I want I'd like to be able to say I'd want to be able to say, you know, you want to start a business, yes, pursue your dream and your passion and all of that. But I think 
you know, at this point in my life, a little uh, life experience, potentially a little bit of wisdom. Um, I, my encouragements are very similar to yours. Matter of fact, I have, uh, I teach an internship class actually at, at uh, Westmont College and oh. I've got, I think, two, two students of my 13, 14 right now who are thinking about starting a business as, as they get out. One was more kind of, actually, I think both of them are performance, kind of performance PT because they're heading into PT a little bit and then okay. uh, potentially want to, you know, pair the two together and open a business. And I, and uh, this past Thursday, we had that conversation and I said, Hey, um, if you really want to do that, I would be happy to, if you want to, I would be happy to sit down with you and share with you all of my discouragements and pains <laughs> of, of the process so that you can just hear it. And, and you won't later on say, I wish you would have told me. Right. And then, Hey, and then if you want to do it after that, Hey, blessings on you and my encouragement to you. And, and I'll offer any, any wisdom I can possibly give to you. But, but it's been, um, it's been so difficult. It's been what I, what I still tell people is it's been the, hardest, most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And, uh, we have, we only have one child right now, but we have a child. Uh-huh. And I would still say at this point in my life, uh, the business thing has, was, has been much more difficult than having <laughs> a child. Um, it's been so hard and it, 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 it isn't something that I would encourage people to, to walk into lightly. Absolutely would say just because you're a good trainer or you don't think your boss is paying you enough because, you know, you've got all the, the talent and you're doing all the work and they're making all the money. Those are not necessarily good reasons just to start a business. you got to have some pretty big whys uh, and some pretty clear vision as to where this thing is going and, and you know, and, and to do some some thought behind it. Um, that said, (laughs) I'm sure much like you, Rick, I jumped into this thing with not a whole lot of thought or not a whole lot of understanding. And if, if I would have known now, or sorry, if I would have known then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have done it. Uh, so right. There's two sides to that. coin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you know enough, you may not do it. If you, if you know, too little, you may be able to, to do it and pull it off just because right. you're, you know, you're young enough and dumb enough to, to do it. But, <laughs> so, you know, I'm a little torn. I don't, I don't know which one's better to offer to people, but, but good grief, I would say, think about it because it, it's hard. And, and, and yeah. by the way, I'll throw out to you um, if you want to talk about this at all. I know yeah. I shared with you, Rick, a little bit about what happened with me last week. As, and I'm happy to share about that as related to the balance of life and business and all of that too, but we don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get into it, brother. Oh, well, okay. So I'll just jump right in there. So, in, you know, in, in talking about the difficulty of running a business, um, uh, I'll, I'll share kind of two significant things um, that uh, that have happened in my life. So when I first moved down to, to Santa Barbara, I had, uh, I had been working really hard prior to, and, and really when I came down here, was pushing hard to try to develop something quickly and uh, just as an independent contractor, sole proprietor, trying to, to get some stuff going. And right. Um, I'd say about three, three months into the process, uh, I, I hit a, a brick wall and, uh, was like, you know, crying all the time, like having a hard time getting out of bed. Uh, and after a couple few months, I thought, gosh, this is, this is what it must feel like to be depressed. If someone was depressed, you know, hindsight, I was depressed and I didn't know it yeah, right. and burnt out. And, um, uh, and, and that was a, a significant eye opener to me at 30, 
um, and and I've I've always kind of struggled with you know being a little bit more on the depressive end of the spectrum, but um, walking through the first few years of of, of owning um, a business, I was on the edge all the time for three four years on the edge. Um, thankfully, you know, in 2011 12, I had a, a business partner jump in with me and really kind of save it, save me because I couldn't carry the load anymore. Um, and so that was a significant relief to me. I just couldn't do it on yeah. my own. And so that that helped and kept me even because he brought a new energy and, and something I could lean on for a little while until I just got my feet back under me. Um, and, you know, fast forward to this, the past couple of years, my business partner and I have both been making significant efforts at trying to trying to do a little bit less, right? Trying to do a little less training, trying to work on the business a little bit more, trying to develop more systems, all of those good things that, you know, that you learn that come with the process of, of running a business. Um, and then, and then interestingly, as we've been cutting back and, and even this year, I've, I've made some more adjustments. Last week on uh, Monday, uh, I had kind of a, a weird, I, uh, I guess you would say relatively traumatic situation where, um, about one, between the hours of one and two, I, I got really fuzzy, uh, in the, uh, um, mentally foggy. And the gist of it was my memory went gone, um, between the hours of 12 and five. I don't remember. Um, I, I gradually got my memory back outside of those hours. Initially I'd forgotten kind of several days, but that landed me in the ER that night. They did MRI, they did CAT scan, they did blood work. They wow. did different things. Everything came up perfectly clear. And, and I'm going to do a couple more things just to check the boxes and make sure that things are yeah. okay. But at this point, you know, it's, uh, Chris, maybe it was stress or the one other thing is, you know, I had some, um, some manual therapy on cervical spine and never know when you're working on yeah. cervical spine stuff, things can go a little wacky too, or it could have been the combination of the two, but but suffice it to say, at this point, I'm leaning a little more on stress and, and the realities of, you know, I'm pooped. I'm, I mean, I'm a little worn out and, and that stuff catches up with you in the balance of life. So it's it's certainly something that you've got to keep your eye on and you can't just, you can't keep driving year after year after year. It's not good. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And to, to know that you had somebody come in to take the load and and that was actually helpful for me too, because I didn't want anybody to have any part of independent mm -hmm. training spot. Like that was my baby. That's my mm -hmm. gym. That's my business. And this guy just kept annoying me about it. Like just wanted to like get in on it. So uh, eventually uh, my business partner, Mark Miller, and he, mm -hmm. I've, I've opened three gyms total. I have a fourth one in the works and he is a partner wow. in all of those now because he helps so much and that that was really helpful to me because i know that i can work with somebody and mm -hmm. my, my grandfather was a was in business and he was like never go into business with anybody else because and you know that's what people say if they've been burned before so yes. once bitten twice shy um and i've been burned before but at the yeah. same time like i've also found greater success by working with people that helped me maintain uh, my sanity, my health, my, yeah. my timeliness. Yeah. And so I, I would say that that's a big part of it. And if you go through, you know, marketing courses and business coaching and things like that, they talk about outsourcing stuff all the time. 
Yeah. And they're, they're relatively inexpensive ways to do a lot of the outsourcing these days. And we feel like we have to do it all and we want to control it and, and, and direct everything because it's our business. Yeah. And if you've got a small operation, that might be something that you can do. But the problem is, do we take the time to coach ourselves up on business as opposed to being a good coach that needs to learn business of coaching? Sometimes we need to, to get a business coach yeah and and work through those things and that that's been really helpful throughout the years having people mm -hmm. that that I know that have run businesses and and maybe not even a fitness related business right but they've they've run mm -hmm. businesses and I reach out to them and I can talk to them or other people as consultants that that I've worked with because I mean if you look at you know NFL NBA like they all have coaches, they're professional athletes and they right. have coaches. They're the best at mm. that game and they have coaches. Mm. And here I am like the worst at business. And right. I, I need yeah. coaches. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of blindly muddle around trying to figure out which, which foot goes where in terms of kind of trying to keep the business together. Right. And it's really helpful to have somebody else that you can talk to about it. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I think, uh, you know, f for me, for us, that was, that for us was a huge, um, I'd say step. The realization happened, I think, quite a while ago, you know, that we've been doing stuff long enough, long enough, that that whole saying, and we were dumb as all get out as far as business went. Train, knowing how to train people did not translate into being a, a great business owner and, and actually being able to keep the doors open and, and make a profit. Or, or yeah, I should say, or even make a profit, you know, if we mm -hmm. were so lucky and so fortunate. Um, and to, to, to tie into what you're saying and to offer an, you know, encouragement here, we probably had the money to hire a business coach early in our business. Um, we had a little bit of space to do that probably in 2012, 13. And, and we're, we're reading some business coaches and should have pulled the trigger and we didn't. And it was mm -hmm. dumb because then once we got into 2014, 15, we, we had made some, you know, some, some relatively risky, but, um, but what weighed out these risks, business decisions that put us in a, you know, monthly financial position where we were strapped, we didn't then have the money to have the business coaches and we right. really we really needed it. And so it wasn't yeah. then until we got to, gosh, was it, it might've been 2018 or so where um, my business partner and I went to a workshop uh, and, you know, my hope was that the business workshop would go well enough that we could have the conversation afterward. And we did where I said, Hey man, we either hire a business coach or I, I I'm done. Like I can't keep doing this anymore. I'm fried We've yeah. been doing it wrong enough, long enough. We're not gaining ground. We're, we're still killing ourselves, working, uh, training too much, not being able to work on the business. It's not getting better. We're just barely keeping our nose above the waterline. We need a business coach. And, um, and so for me, you know, at that point, we tried a couple different things. And, and I, you know, I'll admit, I'm, I'm, I was too dumb to glean enough information from the smart people to figure out how to pull together. I'm like, I need a system. Yeah. I need somebody to teach me. I need an organized curriculum. I need to know what to focus on. Tell me exactly what to do. And so I can get to work on those things and start that process.
so valuable. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking with Chris Eklund, who is the owner of Prevail Conditioning in Santa Barbara, California, and he is also a master instructor for the National Academy of Sports Medicine and a colleague of mine. So we've been working at NASM together for a while. A uh, thing you may not know about NASM people that that teach the workshops, so the the instructors, is we don't actually see each other a lot. So we we don't go into the office every day, and especially in the past year, but. Uh, I, I live in New York. He lives in Santa Barbara, California, and we kind of have master instructors peppered throughout the, the U.S. that teach these workshops. And, and we'll travel. We'll go to places. And then some of us have facilities and we'll host at our facilities. And Chris is one of those people at his facility there in Santa Barbara, California. And today we're talking about coaching and the business of coaching. So we're not so much talking about coaching techniques and queuing and then doing or tell, show, do, or we're talking about the business of coaching and, and sharing stories. So our stories about getting started training and getting started in business and getting started in our own facilities. And Chris is sharing his story with us. And it's interesting because there are a lot of things that are reflected uh, in his story that I see in, in my story. And I, I think there are a lot of people out there. I, I know a lot of trainers throughout my years that, I mean, they, they want to open their own gym. They want to own their own place. And I get that. But when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's scary. Looking at doing something like that is frightening because you could you get an investor, which isn't as frightening um, because if somebody's investing the money, then if the business fails, then you don't lose the money. Somebody else did. Um, but how many people do we know that would be interested in doing that? And then really good business people would look at it and say, put the business plan together and show me the numbers. And sometimes even when you talk your numbers up, they can be talked back down by a very good business person. So uh, when you have the, and that's the thing, like you need people like that in your life. You need people who are going to look at it and go, mm, I don't know. I think that it's possible to make that much money, but what is really likely? So what what I do when I've opened my facilities is try to raise up enough money or borrow enough money or save enough money and all of the above to be able to have at least six months liquidity in the bank mm. once the facility opens. Yeah. And so that means, and, and I think that's how a lot of places fail, right? Like they spend all their money mm. getting the gym open, but, but just because you open the doors, doesn't mean that people are going to start flooding the gates. Same thing as you become a personal trainer. So for those of you that are CPTs, just because you went and you got your CPT, you got your NASM certification, now you're certified. Now, now what? You stand in the middle of Times Square and you let people know and they just start flooding you. They start rushing in going, you're a trainer, I'll pay you. <laughs> no, that's not how that goes. It's a job. It takes work. And one of the great things about working with a corporate facility is that they do the marketing for you and you're already at the gym and you get the benefit of training people that they've brought into the facility. And as an owner of an independent training gym, it's an independent training spot in New York City, there are a lot of people who make the jump from corporate to independent trainer. And suddenly... It's a huge pay rate increase, right? They go from making, you know, let's say a client pays a hundred bucks an hour to the gym and they pay out 25 or 30 or whatever it is. 
And, and now you could go independent, you could pay a host facility like mine, and you pay them maybe the 25 or $30 and you keep the rest. Now you've just increased your profits substantially. And I've seen it over and over again. Somebody, one client moves away, another client doesn't like yeah. traveling a little bit farther to get to that place. Another person wants to go back to the other gym and train. Yeah. And now you went from having 10 clients to having, you know, five clients. So you're still making good money. You're working less, training those five clients twice a week. That's 10 sessions, but that's not 20 sessions. And the writing's on the wall. How am I going to keep these clients? And how am I going to get more clients? And we don't think about that. We don't think about building it. We, we think, yeah, I get to keep all this money. At what point have you thought about taking any of that additional income that you've been making, big baller, and putting it back into your business so that you're spending money on your marketing so you can get more money in return? How do you do that? And how do you track that? And that's the challenge. And one of the things that Chris and I are talking about is the business of doing this business. And you have to spend that money. And if one of the things, Chris, that we talk about with uh, marketing is a lot of people don't do any marketing until yeah. they need to do marketing. Yeah. And then it's often too late to do the marketing. Much too late. So what are what are some of uh, just like running through the my my spittle of the moment as I started to tear into that? Did anything ring a bell with you and yeah. regarding the business and the the building of that business? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I think so much. Uh, <laughs> you know, as, as we share our stories, I think it's it's true of a lot of us who who've gone into business that really haven't had a clue of what we're doing on the front end. Certainly, things that you learn. Uh, a lot through the pain uh, and the process. Um, if you're fortunate enough through some mentors or if you've got the coaches, then you can learn them preemptively. But uh, gosh, having, you know, having three to six months of, of cash, you know, when you start something like that was wonderful. I think uh, part of the story that I've, I've shared with students, you know, over the years or, you know, other, other trainers at workshops that we've done about starting uh, my businesses. Gosh, I, 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 I lived on like, five, 10 grand a year for a number of years um, just to, to barely make it. And then, you know, I taught part time. I had these extra jobs to just to give me some income that didn't pull from my business so I could use all that money just to keep the doors open. It, it, just crazy things oh, yeah. that, you know, I tried to figure out as I was going along um, to keep to keep things going. Uh, so, gosh, if I would have had the forethought to have that money ahead of time, realizing that there might be no no extra cash to pay yourself. There, the, matter of fact, you're probably losing money for the first several months or even potentially year years sure. um, when you start the business. So if you don't have savings, man, you're redlined all the time. And then you know that that other layer of stress that you've got um, on top of that is just just awful. Uh, but coming back to the marketing thing, yeah, absolutely would agree with you that. By the time you need the client's marketing is way too late, right? Because now you're desperate, right. you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and it it's it's all bad. Uh, and and certainly, kind of going back to the whole sales and marketing process, that that that's not a good way to do it. You can't be in that position and do good marketing and do good sales. I mean, you know what what we've learned, and and you know, and I'll mention too. I'll give a, a plug and a shout out to MPE. They're the ones that we've worked with primarily, um, and have have learned a ton with. 
what we've learned in the process, which is which was very thankful to me and reaffirming in the process of sales and marketing, is some simple things. Is one is you know why are you doing it? Coming back to you know your your purpose in the field, your mission in the field, however you want to define that thing. Clarifying what your niche is in the field that you can that you feel like you can offer to the industry, to the the people that you want to serve. Um, better and do it well, right? What can you offer? Being clear about that, having your head on straight about why you're going into business and and what you're what you're giving and what you're offering and what you're you're serving um, uh, your clients uh, by doing in the industry. So being clear about that and then knowing that in the sales and marketing process, all all of that is 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 an education and communication process, trying to find that or find people and help people find you that are really looking for the solutions that you have so that it takes away a lot of the ickiness of it and once again if you're doing that on a regular basis and you're doing it ahead of time and you're constantly feeding the pipeline then you, you gradually are having these people coming in looking for the solutions that you can offer um, and you you've been clear about why you do what you do and what you do what you do so they they know exactly what it is they're looking for what you have to offer yeah. and then that process just works so much better because your offering of your service your your close as it were um, is the offer of a solution that that you want to offer so um, very very helpful to learn that process uh, to be able to do that well and with the right heart with the right perspective but man, once you need it, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, you 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 get in a bad place, and yep. you you can't do that well. Uh, I want to give a shout out to NPE, so Net Profit Explosion. NPE partnered with NASM at one point to do the NASM Business Accelerator course. So if you're interested in business and how to propel your business a little bit further along then doing the NASM Business Accelerator course, which is actually produced by NPE, uh, I, I think that, that you're going to get a lot out of it. In fact, I was recently, as little as a couple of weeks ago, going just back through the course again because I'm looking at it going, man, I'm missing out on some stuff. I need to sharpen my sword. Let me go in and go through this uh, accelerator course. It might be something for me that eventually I might do some outreach to them directly and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and just because of the work that I know that they've done with you. And I know um, Annie has, has done that yeah. and Brian's worked with them and several other people that speak really highly of that organization. Highly enough, in fact, that NASM did partner with them to, to do a right. course. So with that being said, um, I don't know. I don't think we have any questions. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. And I want to ask just one really pressing question at the end of this entire uh, this entire business sucks session that I feel like we've just had. What are the silver linings? Do you have Do you have a silver lining? Do you have uh, Do you have a good story at the end of all the struggle and the tribulation? Yeah, I, I think, you know, over the years, people have asked me that question a number of times, you know, why do you do it when I've shared uh, some of the difficulty in the process? And um, I think to some extent, you know, I would say calling vocation uh, is something that I have attached myself to. I think that this is something that I was I was called to do um, for for, you know, whatever period of time. And so in, in following that, 
um, felt committed to pursuing the process and the silver linings that have come from that. There, there are a lot. And, and I think, you know, you, you would agree with it as well. You don't, you don't always gain tons of value or as much value out of the easy, the fun things, right? You gain value and you gain wisdom out of the brutally hard things of life, walking through the fire. That's where you get the growth. That's where you get the good stuff. And it's not been really any different in the situation. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of life lessons learned. Obviously we've talked a little bit about life balance. Um, I've, I've also learned that, you know, having to strip away some pride stuff earlier and say, I, I need help um, yeah. uh, in, in many different ways, right? Sometimes financial. Um, obviously, we've talked about in educational, I needed major help. We needed major help. Um, so that that is a good thing, I think, as a, as a guy, as a man, of stripping away some of the pride stuff. Um, and, you know, then when I look at the grander scheme, um, we, I don't know if you've read, we, we recently read the book Go Giver with our staff. Um, yeah. And, a cool book. So, uh, you know, oh, plug for that one. Um, that, uh, it, it, it talks about the life of service, the life of giving in, in our work, uh, and how impactful that is. And one of the points that it makes in the book among many is, um, you know, the more people that you impact, um, basically, you know, the, I'll, I'll just say the better your business is. Okay. There's, there's a lot of different ways to define that, but, um, as, as we've grown the business, I think that's been a huge um, reward for me is not only impacting and growing staff and we've had some staff leave here and do some really, really cool things. So it's been fun to see their growth and development in the industry, but also the conversations and the testimonials with clients, right? Those things are huge feeders for, um, um, for, for the heart that we've made great impact in the lives of our clients beyond I increased my vertical jump or, you know, I, I, I rehabbed the, um, the, the total hip replacement thing. Um, there's bigger stuff. And again, that kind of gets back into the coaching uh, realms, but those stories that impact stuff, I think are the things that have been the other thing that have really um, fed my soul and, and, and kept us going. I love that. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing your story with us yeah. and not just coaching, not just training, but the business leading into it, the potential what's next for other trainers that are out there, the pitfalls that are in the way, the challenges that are there, but also the sheer drive to do what you're doing, the tenaciousness to stick with it and the blessings that come from all of that. So Chris Eklund, thank you so much for, for your time and being here today. If you have any social media or an email address, if uh, people have any questions, they want to reach out to you, what's a way that they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I'd be happy to. Uh, email address at my business is just chris at prevailconditioning.com. Kind of a long one. Uh, social media stuff. I, I'm a little bit on Facebook and, and Instagram, but uh, Coach Eklund on uh, Instagram is, is primarily where I'm at, though I'd have to say. Uh, I don't know about you, but the last year I've been pretty, pretty shy on social media because we've had all of our, all of our efforts and all hands on deck just to keep our sneaking business open. But, but yeah, I, I'm still yeah. on there a little bit. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. It's good to have you on everybody. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you being here. This is the NASM CPT podcast. <laughs>